We don't have a whole lot of time on Sunday morning, so we'd like for you to hasten, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15. Praise God, praise God, and good to see all of our guests here at Calvary Gospel Church. If this is your first visit, then please do remember our service tonight at 7 o'clock and next Thursday evening at 7.30, and then, of course, Tuesday here at 7.30, so please do remember. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, <clears throat> and so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural, and afterwards that which is spiritual. The first man is on the earth earthly, and the second man is the Lord from heaven. Did you know... Jesus Christ was the Lord from heaven. And there is only three lords in the Bible? <clears throat> now, how do you know that? <clears throat> now, Jimmy Swaggart says there's three. If you happen to be a, a Jimmy Swaggart fan, I just want you to know Jimmy Swaggart's wrong. So, you need to reconsider. Uh, you know, he, he published a big statement saying that the Bible definitely speaks of two lords. That's what he said. My Bible, that is the one that I read, and perhaps this is not the one that Swagger's reading, but nevertheless, the Bible says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is two lords, three lords, one Lord. Does the New Testament teach that there's only one Lord? The Bible says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Is that what the Bible says? One Father who is above all and through all and in you all. <clears throat> now when you get, and there is one body and there is one spirit. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get the spirit of the holy departed Lord. Now that's just what the Bible says. We're going we're gonna to stick with the Bible. Okay, we're just going to stick with the Bible. I'm not preaching on the Godhead this morning, but I do get exceptionally excited about it. All right, verse 48. As is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is the heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Now this I say, brethren... That flesh and blood can not inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Praise God. You may be seated. <clears throat> now, I want to talk about the first man, Adam, and I want to talk about the second Adam. Now, <clears throat> when God made Adam and Eve and placed them in the garden, the Bible tells us that God made Adam... In the image and the likeness of him that was to come. Now if you would turn to Romans 5. <clears throat> Romans 5. Are you excited about the scripture? Amen. Now like I said we don't have a whole lot of time this morning. So what we're going to do is just cover a few scriptures here. We're just going to explain some scriptures. And when we run out of time we'll then 
we just don't have any more time. We'll have to talk about it some other time. <clears throat> but nevertheless, Romans 5:12, wherefore as by one man centered entered into the world. Now that's the first Adam. And death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. How many people have sinned? All. Do we have anybody here that hasn't committed a sin? I don't know that we have. All right? For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. All right? Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. All right? Who is the figure of him that was to come? Now, <clears throat> let me explain something that I think is very vital. I'd like to explain this whole scripture the way I personally see this scripture. But uh, the first man, Adam, was actually fashioned after the second man, Adam, Jesus Christ. Now, the scripture tells us that all people have sinned. The curse that came upon the human race came as a result of, of Eve's transgression. Adam, uh, the Bible says that it was Eve that transgressed and not Adam, but nevertheless Adam transgressed after Eve had transgressed and received the blame for the human race being in the shape that it's in. Now, <clears throat> all of us have sinned. The Bible tells us that that has happened. Now, when Jesus Christ came into this world, Jesus Christ was born of a woman. The Bible tells us in Galatians, the fourth chapter, verse 4, and when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son made of a woman. Now, sonship that's spoken of in the Bible is talking about the fleshly form of God. While he was the Lord of heaven, this Lord of heaven bore a human body. He wore a human body. Maybe that would be a better word. He wore a human body. And the human body was called the son or the fleshly form of God. Now it was called the son of God. Why? Because Sonship is begotten flesh. Now, every person who is here, every male here is a son. Did any of you just drop out of heaven? Now, I don't think so. <clears throat> you were born. You were made. Formed in your mother's womb. Now, this is the way we all got here, see? And the women who are here, none of you dropped out of heaven, did you? No. You, you also were born into this world. And because that Jesus Christ was born, he was called the Son. Why was he called the Son of God? Because the true origin of Jesus started in the Logos or in the plan of God and in the mind of God in heaven. Now, <clears throat> when, when Matthew 
gives the genealogy of Jesus. Matthew traces the genealogy of Jesus through Jesus' earthly father. While he didn't have an earthly father, Mary was married to Joseph. And people who did not understand, they accepted Joseph as being his earthly father. Now Jesus, while Jesus was very, very obedient to his parents and accepted him as being an earthly parent, Jesus realized that his true father was the Spirit. Uh, this is evident in the time in which he ministered to the knowledgeable uh, scribes and says, I must be about my father's business. His father and mother said, now you come go with us. And so the Bible says that Jesus submitted himself to his parents. So for the sake of genealogy, Matthew traces the genealogy of Jesus through uh, Joseph and traces him back to David. So Jesus was the son of David. Now when Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus, and it's not specifically stated there, you have to do some studying, you find out that the genealogy has changed somewhat. And the reason why is because Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus through Mary. And so Luke traces the genealogy of Jesus through Mary all the way back to Adam, but not uh, to David, but he doesn't stop there. He goes all the way back to Adam. Okay. And the reason why is because that Luke was trying to prove that Jesus was not only the Son of God, but that he was the Son of Man. And when you read in the book of Luke, you will find constantly the phrase used, the Son of Man, whereas in Matthew, the Son of God is used. Now, when John traces the genealogy of Jesus, though, he does it in a totally different fashion. Now, the reason that Matthew traces the genealogy of Jesus the way he did, it is believed by many scholars that Matthew wrote his gospel to the Jews. And so, he traces Jesus back to the throne of David. Because the prophecy of the Old Testament stated that there would be one that would come to the throne of David who would set up an everlasting kingdom and would reign. He was to be both the root and the offspring of David. And so when, when he writes to the Jews, then he traces him back to David. Now, on the other hand, when Luke writes, he writes to the, the Grecians. Most people believe that the book of, of uh, Luke is written to the, to the Greeks. The Greeks were looking for the ideal man, and Jesus was considered to be the Son of Man. Nevertheless... Luke does trace him through David. Now, the reason why that this is so important, see, when Jesus stood before Pilate, and Pilate says, Art thou the son, or art thou the king of the Jews, rather? Now, you see, there is no way that the Jews could deny. You see, what the problem was in his genealogy when the Jews looked at the genealogy of Jesus, he was the firstborn of the household of Joseph. And had the Jews had been an independent state as they were before they were taken into bondage by the 
Babylonians and by the Assyrians, the Assyrians, the northern kingdom, and the Babylonians took the southern kingdom 120 years later. It's back in the Old Testament. Now, had the dynasty of kings continued, Jesus, according to his genealogy, would have been king. And see, they could not deny that because there's this genealogy. But you see, when Jesus <clears throat> stepped upon the face of the earth, his purpose was to establish a kingdom, not of this world. He said, for if my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight. So when John writes his gospel, and of course, the reason why that John writes his gospel is to prove that Jesus truly was the Messiah. If you want to find out why John was written, turn to John 20, verse 31. It's explained why the Gospel of John was written. Let's read verse 30 of John 20. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. That's talking about the book of John. So Jesus did a lot of miracles that the Bible does not record. If, if all the things that Jesus did were recorded, the world would not be able to contain the books. That's what the Bible says. So he must have done a whole lot of things. You know, like you can read one story of one man and how Jesus touched his life. Now suppose that you wrote a story on all the lives of all the people he touched. My, how many biographies would you have to write? You see... Because, and the truth of the matter is, there is not one man that's ever lived on the face of the earth since the time of Jesus and since his ascension that Jesus has not touched. All right. <clears throat> now verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Now the reason why that John was written so that you might believe in Jesus, know that you might believe certain things about Jesus. Now you see, the problem we have in our world, there's a whole lot of people that believe Jesus. But Jesus is not just interested in you believing in him, but he's interested in you believing certain things about him. Now, that is so very, very important. You know, just because you talk about Jesus. See, Paul, pre Paul talks about people who preach another Jesus. Well, there's only one Jesus. But what he's saying is that, that you take him out of his proper context and preach Jesus as being something that he isn't. See, there's only one God, but the Bible speaks of many gods. Well, if there's only one God, how can there be many gods? Because people substitute things for God. So that's the terminology that's used. John, the 8th chapter, verse 24. I said, therefore, unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. So Jesus was really saying that in order to have life through my name, that you've got to believe certain things about me. 
Now, we conducted a baptism here yesterday in Jesus' name. Now, <clears throat> you know, the truth of the matter is that there are a lot of baptisms that take place. But just like there's only one Jesus, there's only one baptism, too. The truth of the matter is, now, if you're baptized any other way other than the Bible way of immersion in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of the matter is, and pardon the English, you ain't baptized yet. See, because there's only one baptism, see. Now, it may be a substitute for baptism, like there are many gods. There's only one God, but that's a substitute for God. There's only one Jesus, yet people may substitute him and believe something about him is not true. God was interested in certain things. Now, please, we got some new people here. I want to establish something with you. When you see people who do not believe all the Bible, I don't think that you need to make the approach to them that I'm making to you this morning by going up and saying, hey, you ain't been baptized at all. And then you can say, because our preacher says you ain't. <clears throat> you know, I, I believe that you need to be tactful. You need to use some finesse. I think there are times in which you need to say it like I'm saying it. You need to be very, very sensitive to the Spirit. Now, sometimes I can get up here and preach things a certain way, and I understand that people go witness that same way, and it doesn't work for them. Of course, please understand what I do here doesn't always work either. But, but Jesus is interested not just in the fact that you believe in God, but that you believe certain things about God. And to believe in Jesus is great, but to believe the right thing about Jesus is greater. So it's like a, a person approached me from the Jehovah's Witness movement, and uh, they asked me, said, do you, do you folks practice knocking on doors and witnessing? I said, yes, we do. Well, for some reason, they didn't think we did, and, of course, they, they believe that that is a must. I said, well, we preach and teach that there's no way that you can go to the holy city without knocking on doors. Now, but you've got to knock on doors. But you see, they place so much emphasis on the fact that you've got to witness. They're called Jehovah's Witness. But you see, what you tell a person when you knock on the door is really as important as knocking on the door. I mean, you know, you just go knock on the door. You know, you've got to have something to tell them when you knock on the door. And, of course, in my estimation, they're not telling the right things. See? In fact, they, they minimize Jesus altogether. But Jesus was interested in what you believed about him. Now, verse 27 said, They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. The truth of the matter is that Jesus was speaking of his, his origin. Now, in John, the first chapter, let's read this. See, Matthew connects Jesus <coughs> to David. Luke connects Jesus to Adam. But John connects Jesus to God. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, that's God, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. It's talking about God. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Now we're talking about John the Baptist. The same came for a witness to bear witness of the light. Now, who did John come to bear witness of? Jesus. See, 
In other words, he just keeps talking, and, and he doesn't even change the subject. First place you're saying God, now you're saying Jesus. Now why are you saying God to start with, now you're saying Jesus? Because it becomes very evident that the God that created was Jesus that walked here. You know, when Jesus came, the Bible says that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is the second person of the Trinity among us. That's not what the Bible says. If somehow the Trinitarians could get a glimpse of what that scripture is saying, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Jesus was God with us. And that's what he's saying. Except ye believe that I am he. That is the God of the creation, the Father. Then you're going to die in your sins. Okay? Now, the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. John was not the light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh in the world. Okay? He was in the world. Who was in the world? Jesus. And the world was made by him. Jesus. And the world knew him not. Jesus. He came unto his own. Jesus came unto his own. That's why his genealogy is traced there. They could not deny he's, he's, he's one of us. And his own received him not. Did the Jews receive him? No, they cried said, let his blood be upon us and upon our children and upon our children's children from this day henceforth. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now notice what the purpose of the writing was. The purpose of the writing, and let's turn back there. We just kind of make a connection. Isn't the Bible a beautiful book? But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. We want to talk about the name just for a moment. You see, the word Jesus actually means something. Now, my name is John. I, one time I knew what John meant. Does anybody know? we got other Johns out here. Uh, every now and then I, uh, I, I look at uh, uh, names and what they mean. I saw a, a, a name over in, in Charlie's apartment. Charles means manly. <clears throat> See? Okay. All right. Do, do we have anybody here that, that has a name that know what it really means? George. George okay. George means Irish. What? Farmer? It means farmer. Tiller of the soil. Tiller of the soil. Okay. All right. Okay. Veda? Veda means knowledge. All right. Felix means... Cat? Oh, happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we, we're we all happy now. <laughs> I heard what he said. I'm sorry. I just had to. <laughs> all right. 
any other names. We're just uh, we're just having fun here today with the word. But okay, Renee means born again. Hey, that's great. Okay, John means God is gracious. Brother O'Neill's checking his Bible. All right. Anybody else know what their name means? Or okay, uh, Sister Linda. Linda means pretty. Oh, isn't that great? Okay. John. Brother Jim, that's, that's great, isn't it? All right, anybody? Uh, okay, Brother Mike? All right, Peter means stone. That's in the Scripture. Okay. Tiny means what? Fairy princess. Okay. Any other... Uh, Okay, Sister Lou. Okay, well, we've got a lot of happy, pretty people around here. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Brother George, uh, <clears throat> George means till of the ground. And, uh, you know, some names kind of fit, doesn't it? You know, with Brother George, you, you never know what's going to turn up. So... <clears throat> <laughs> uh, <laughs> brother Brother O'Neill is a great man, isn't he? Let's give him a hand. <laughs> if he tolerates me. <laughs> All right. Of course, we have Brother George Juno here, too. This was all to him. Back here, brother, brother Juno. <laughs> I, I think Sister Betty says that's true, though. <laughs> okay, what does what does the name Jesus mean? What does the name Jesus mean? See, names in the Bible meant a lot. That's the reason why that Abraham's name was changed from Abram to Abraham. This is the reason why that God changed Jacob's name from Jacob which meant supplanter or deceiver, to Israel, that means a prince with God. And when Jesus Christ came, Jesus Christ came and Mary or Joseph were not given the privilege of naming him. His name shall be called Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The word Jesus actually means Jehovah the God of the Old Testament, is Savior or salvation. And when you check the origin of Jesus, you can find that His origin, being that He was the true God of heaven, come to us, Jehovah, the Father, the Creator, except you believe that I am. If you notice in your Bible in John 8, the He is in italics. You want to check that out? Let's check back there. Now, when you find a word in italics, now some Bibles do not have italics. Now, the italics are the little slanted words that look a lot like cursive. Okay? All right? He is in italics. Now, when you find a word in italics in your Bible, it simply means it did not appear in the original. Okay. But it is inserted... For better reading, 
However, it is not a true translation. So when you find the word in italics, it simply means that it's not in the original translation. And the people who translate your Bible want you to know that that word is there, but it did not appear. So the pronoun he was not in the original. Now, if it was not in the original, then how should it read? This is how, then it should read. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. For if ye believe not that I am, no he there. If ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. Now, do you do you remember the word I am other places in the Bible? In Exodus 3.14, this is mentioned. Now, notice when Moses goes before the burning bush in Exodus 3.14. Exodus 3.14, let's start it with verse 13. And Moses said unto God, who was he talking to? He was talking to God. Now Moses was at the burning bush, and the bush was burning, but it was not being consumed. So Moses said unto God, Behold, I am come unto the children of Israel, or when I am come to the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? See, what God was saying, he said, Now, Moses, I want you to go to, down to Israel or that's in Egyptian bondage, and I want you to preach to the Israelites, and I want you to tell them that I have sent you there. Now, you're supposed to stand before Pharaoh and tell the same thing. Now, <clears throat> the Israelites are going to say, Oh, you say God? Well, see, the Egyptians had many gods like the Grecians. And like all other people who do not know the true God. Now, they're going to look at me and they're going to peer right out of their little beady eyes. And they're going to say, who sent you? God! Who is God? Tell us, what's his name? Which one? In other words, the Israelites are going to check out the validity of your calling. Now, when they begin to question you. Here's what you do, Moses. Verse 14. And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he says, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Now, does anybody know what, in the original Hebrew, this term I am is translated from? Okay, Brother Carnelius. All right. The, the, the compound name traced back to the original uh, would mean here Jehovah Elohim. And Elohim means the self 
existing one. That means the one who always was, who is now, and will always be. But he uses the present term, not I was or I will be, but I am. The ever-present, self-existing God that always was and always will be. And see what Jesus was saying in John 8, except ye believe that I am, ye shall die in your sins. You've got to believe that Jesus was the self-existing one. Now how could Jesus be the self-existing one if he came in the form of a man? Because you see, the true identity of Jesus, while he wore a fleshly body, the true identity of Jesus was God, the creator of the world. That's why in verse uh, 27, they didn't understand that he spake to them of the Father, the creator of all of life and of everything. See, that's what Jesus was. Now, <clears throat> we want to go back to our original scripture. Man, I've got scriptures. I've got nine scriptures I wanted to explain to you this morning. I'll not be able to do all that. But let's just talk then from 1 Corinthians 15. <clears throat> all right? You see, what happened was that Adam and Eve, because of their sin in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve uh, sold the human race into bondage. Now, Adam was made or formed in the likeness of him that was to come. Now, when Jesus Christ came upon the scene, he was called the second man, Adam. Now, what God chose to do was to come and visit the human race himself. He didn't send another, but he came himself. Now, any of these statements I'm making, you could check them out by the Scripture. He came himself to visit the human race. Now, the purpose is that here, let's take this building right here, and let's call this the, the sin barrier, or the, the prison of sin. See, the whole human race was being born inside of this prison. Now, this happened to be the planet Earth. And every person born from Adam and Eve until this present time are born earthly. That's what he's saying. That's what I read to you. Now, God had to visit his own, but he had to be born outside of that prison cell. Because from inside of the prison, there is no door in which you can open. It is not noted in prisons that the way to get the door open is from the inside. It's the outside. And Jesus Christ, even though... He wanted to associate himself with the human race because he, so he could view the problems of man through the eyes of a man. He had to be born outside of that prison bar of sin and iniquity. 
Now, a lot of people then say, well, if this is true then, no wonder Jesus was such a superhuman. Well, you see, the first man, Adam, please understand, when he was made, he was not made in that prison cell. He was a sinless creature. He was tempted of Satan and fell in that temptation. The second man, Adam, like the first man, Adam, was also born outside of that prison cell. And when he went into the wilderness to be tempted... When Satan came by and tempted Jesus with food, just like Adam was tempted, he wouldn't eat. He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. I am persuaded to believe that the temptation that came to Jesus after fasting 40 days to turn that stone into bread was equivalent to the temptation of Eve looking at the fruit and the devil was saying, eat it, eat it, eat it, eat it. Did she eat it? She ate it. She saw it was good. She gave it to her husband. Did he eat it? And you notice what happened in the garden. The devil also said, now the reason why that God does not want you to eat this because he knows that your eyes will be open." And ye shall be as gods. Did you know an equivalent thing happened also when Jesus was in, in the wilderness? Jesus was taken to a high mountain. And he looked up over all the kings of the earth. And this is what the devil told him. He said, now if you'll bow down to me, he says, I'll make you rule over all of these. And Jesus said, it is written, thou shalt serve the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. So when sin came to the second man, Adam, the first man, Adam, was earthly through the sin that came. But the second man, Adam, was not earthly. And he, being born outside of that prison bar, just like Adam was formed outside of that prison bar, and put us all in prison as a result of his sins, you see, there had to be one born outside to overcome so that he could walk up to the prison bar of sin and he could open the door from the outside and swing it open to let us out. Praise God. And I'll tell you, I'm so glad that Jesus Christ came and visited the human race. You see, he prepared a plan in which then you could become His Son and be born in His likeness and fashioned in His image. And that's what Paul is saying. That when you are born again, you are then fashioned in a spiritually heavenly fashion after Jesus Christ. Through the new birth that Jesus prescribed to Nicodemus in John the third chapter. Except a man be born of water and of spirit. You see, the old sinful man must die. It must be planted in the likeness of his death so that a new man can rise in the likeness of his resurrection. But all of this would be an impossibility had Jesus Christ sinned. Now, I know there's a lot of people that say Jesus could not have sinned. I personally think he could have sinned. 
I don't believe there would be one ounce of overcoming in the life of Jesus Christ if he overcame sin and he could not have sinned to start with. But the reason why that, that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ is so precious and powerful and the reason why that, that the whole story of Calvary is so great is the fact that Jesus Christ did it. Listen, your whole life, your spiritual destiny, life in heaven in streets of gold was all contingent upon Jesus Christ overcoming sin when he walked upon the face of the earth. But the second man, Adam, when the devil tempted him, he did not bend his knee. He did not eat of the forbidden fruit. He lived a life of perfection while he was here on the face of the earth. And when he was buried in a borrowed tomb and came forth triumphantly over death, hell in the grave, friend, he had the keys in his hand. And he said, I'm going to open up the prison bars of iniquity and set the captives free. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And that's what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. He made it possible that you would not have to die in your sins forever and forever and forever and forever and forever and forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Jesus is the Savior. We want you to stand right now. Oh, hallelujah. Man, I'm just getting started. Praise God. Let's lift our hands and just love Him. Oh, thank God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And He's just the same as His lovely name. That's the reason why I love Him so. For Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Little wonder the angels swung low from the clouds of glory on that day. Little wonder that they said, Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Hallelujah, hallelujah. For unto us is born this day in the city of David, a Savior. Hallelujah. A Savior. A Savior. A Savior. One to open the bars of sin and iniquity. A 
might set the captives free. A Savior. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. Oh, let's lift our hands and worship him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And he's just the same. Oh, hallelujah. As his lovely name. That's the reason why I love him so for Jesus is the sweetest isn't it something Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life Jesus also stood and preached to a group of Pharisees, the keepers of the law. What did he say? He said, Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He that is set free by the Son, he is free indeed. Friend, when you pass through that door, and you experience freedom in the Spirit, Hallelujah. Life just begins at Calvary. There's an altar here where you can come and repent of your sins this morning. And be filled with the powerful gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. If you've been seeking for the Lord as we sing this beautiful chorus again, why don't you just step right out and come and kneel and call upon His name and lift your hands and take your liberty in the Spirit. Jesus is the sweetest name I know. And He's just... Come on right now, why don't you? You want Him to set you free? As His lovely name. You want Him to fill you with the Holy Ghost? That's the reason... Why I love. Come on right now. Praise God. Oh, yes. For Jesus is the sweetest name I know. Oh, Jesus is the sweetest.